This is So Far So Rare, a podcast about all things so rare. This week, I spoke with Sriram Krishnan, aka Rivaldo2000. He is an investor in so rare and a very passionate so rare player. I pickled his brains about the investing side and what that entails. We talked about the rewards on SoRare, again, uh, D2 frustrations, a million other things, a leaked new club or league, uh, and answered lots of your questions. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. So I'm joined by Sriram Krishnan. Um, unfortunately, we got the wrong one. Um, we meant to book a different guy, and uh, oh. we ended up with you. But you know, you'll do, I suppose. Hopefully, um, you've know, got half, a rare hat. <laughs> I, you see, are, you, are you sure you got the right one? I, 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 <laughs> Maybe we got the right one at the end. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, um, that's a running joke. But sorry, sorry, John. Go ahead. No, I was just going to give you a very quick introduction. Just say you're Rivaldo 2000 on SoRare. You joined on New Year's Eve in 2020. Um, so you were in a couple of months before the the boom, I suppose. Um, you're infamous for calling people Muppets. And yeah, you're here to chat SoRare. I'm really looking forward to getting stuck in. Do you want to give people just a very quick sort of summary of you, where you're at in terms of SoRare, just to give them an idea of kind of who you are, your biases and, and whatever else? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, am. Um, I came in pretty heavy during the boom, or just pre-boom, um, and bought up a lot of cards. I did not know what I was doing, um, and we'll come to that in a bit. But I, I, I consider myself a D three D three first player uh, mm. with a D three D four and the fallback and throwaway mm. of D two. I didn't do D one. We're pretty uh, much the probably- same level, I would say. Yeah, and I'm about, my, 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 my gallery is about, you know, 140 to 150 ETH at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, you could sort of compartmentalize me in whatever category you want. But but uh, I'm mostly, uh, you know, a D3, D4, and uh, occasionally D2 player. Cool. So, um, yeah, you've got some cracking cards. I'm just looking at your gallery there. You've won Unique. You've won Unique, but you've got a Ronaldo Super Rare. Fortunately, he's let you down a bit this season, but the Arsen Sakarian Super Rare is beautiful, and you have a nice messy rare there. Um, the Unique, you've got one. Did you ever have any more? <laughs> I did. I got So when I jumped into Super Rare uh, early last year, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing, and I was just auctioning and bidding on some random cards. And I actually won a Dario but Benedetto unique, yeah. uh, and again, I think I think in fiat. So forgive me, but uh, you know, I wanted for you know, three three thousand five hundred US, and you know, at, at that point he was playing for Marseille. I forget who he was playing for, and he was barely doing anything. And I was and after and I was twiddling my thumbs for a long time, wondering why on earth did I buy this player? You know, and am I am I playing unique now? You know, and and anyway, long story short, I then sold him to someone for you know for a little bit of a markup, right? Uh, and now, lo and behold, he goes to, you know, was it River Plate or Boca? I forget. Mm. And it's, he's doing really well. So I used to have, I used to have him. Eden Zekro, I, you know, I've always wanted, you know, I, I've been, you know, toying, selling him or keeping him. But you know what? He's the only unique I have. I'm probably going to end up just keeping him because it's, he's a good player, a good collectible, potential value down the line. Yeah. I don't know. Still, still, still playing. So. He's scoring well. He's scoring well recently. Well. A couple of yeah, yeah, a couple of goals recently, um, or at least decisives. I haven't particularly been following him, but um, yeah, I think something really interesting about you as well. Just for people listening who don't have a clue, um, 
you're an investor in so rare and i kind of want to start off just talking about that because to be quite frank i think like from my perspective anyway and i don't pretend to be particularly well versed in anything to do with the kind of world of investing and whatever else series a and series b fundings and all this it's kind of gibberish to me other than the numbers um and i'd like to change that but i suppose what i always think when people say they're an investor in so where there's yourself there's gary v there's a million others there's pk and Azpilicueta and whoever else leading different rounds of funding what exactly does that mean and how did you get into that position do you know how did yeah. you get into the position where you invested in so rare and when you did how does that whole thing work do you give them a bunch of money and they give you equity do they give you do you know how does that work yeah absolutely so to I'll the layman as well do you know to the yeah, layman I- Absolutely. So I was very you know, fortunate to have worked in a couple of early stage startups, technology startups uh, in the past 15 years or so. So when you work in an early stage technology startup, you often get you know, compensated through you know, a regular salary as well as equity. Right. So yeah. the thing about startups that people are interested in is accumulating or um, uh, you know, some form of equity. And you yeah. can get that equity through working at a startup or investing in a startup. Now, back in the day, about 10, 12 years ago, I had no idea what investing, you know, you know, ever, you know, I have no idea. I, I, you know, I had no clue about investing. So for mm. me, it was, you know, working in a startup, which, which introduced me to the early stage technology ecosystem, right? So what that meant was I actually got plugged into a world where there are a bunch of other startups, you know, mm. um, you know, trying to change the world, so to speak, or trying to, you know, create innovative solutions to problems or, or try to create new consumer experiences, right? Now, the thing about the early stage startup world is a lot of people trying different things. It's like a series of experiments that are happening at any given time, right? Through yeah. these startups and not all, and not all these startups are successful. Successful. So a majority of these startups fail. Now, mm-hmm. all the companies that you see today, you know, you know, Google's, Apple's of the world were one startups, right? Mm-hmm. And they they succeeded. So all the companies that you see today, Sorare, for example, used to be a small company, now it's bigger. All started off, all the tech companies you see today started off as early stage startups. Now, um, so again, because I was working in a couple of them, I was very lucky to have joined Spotify very early on, um, you know, when they were valued, you know, very lowly, I forget what it was, but but you know it gives it, it gave me the opportunity to understand the early stage ecosystem. Now I I then stumbled onto investing uh, because my colleague you know and boss at that point Daniel Eck of Spotify, co-founder CEO of Spotify, he started investing in other startups, and I thought that was really cool mm-hmm. uh, to be able to deploy small amounts of capital into other you know into other startups as well. And and when you do that as an investor, you actually acquire equity. Uh, you know, a small piece of ownership in the company, right? Mm. So I started doing that because it was cool. And over time, I actually liked it because you actually meet very smart people who are out to build something, you know, unique and amazing and, you know, game-changing, right? So anyway, so long story short, you know, I did that for a period of time. uh, And then uh, I did that enough uh, at a a frequent enough basis, uh, you know, to the point where I started a fund, a small little fund, Mm. a three and a half million dollar fund that invests in early stage startups, uh, I personally uh, invest in late stage startups, so there's a big difference between early stage and late stage. There's it's different Less risk profiles. Risk. Yeah, correct. That's right. That's absolutely right. Uh, and and so sort of fast forward the journey to December, you know, uh, November, December 2020 uh, was when I got when I think I was first introduced to the team. I heard about Surat through a friend who is into fantasy FPL, and he told me there's another game out there that's raising venture capital. And again, for me, it's football. You know, mm. and tech. I, you know, I, you know, I, I, you know, I generally, you know, gravitate towards that. Uh, got to know the team. 
uh, you know, and then December 31st was when I tried signing up for an account, you know, um, yeah. and, uh, and I, you know, no idea, you know, we can come, you know, we can come to that in, in a little bit later, but I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. Uh, it was very, the product was very, you know, raw. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and anyway, ended up investing, um, and, and, you know, and, and, and acquiring a very, very, very small percentage of the company. Again, it's a big round. A lot of people are bigger investors. I'm just a minority and an mm. investor. So that's the process, right? So I started off because I worked in technology startups, stumbled into investing because I thought it was cool and fun. And then invariably got connected to a bunch of different founders and found out about Surrey and got connected to them and, you know, invested. So that's sort of the long story short version. Um, now with regards to me as a player, you know, after, you know, investing, I was still very confused with the product mm-hmm. and layout and I wanted to participate because I invested and I said, I, you know, this is something I should be into, uh, but I was only into FPL and, you know, I wasn't that familiar with the, you know, with the nature of crypto, you know, crypto native applications or web three native applications, like Sarah. But I think I overcame that hump when I forced myself to learn and understand and, you know, and, and then that's when I jumped in. So if you looked at my mm-hmm. early earliest purchases, you know, you'll see that I just yoloed, you know, yoloed my way into <laughs> buying a bunch of, you know, I think this is an experience that any typical Sarah manager yeah, goes through. It happens like, to you buy a bunch and you're like, what the fuck am I doing? Like yeah. I'm playing like the Americas and the Asias. I have no idea what I'm doing. So anyway, yeah. So that that's that that that's my story. You picked up a, a Maradona nice and early, your Ronaldo, <laughs> Neymar, straight in. And you know what? When you look at the values now, it's it's hilarious. Were you popping champagne bottles in, was it September, whenever they announced the Series B? Were you over the moon? Uh, I was very happy for the team. Um, I I actually reinvested in the company um, because I, I, I thought, so I personally thought that um, the, uh, the valuation was pretty high, but I mm. also knew that whenever you have, you know, you know, consumer companies like Sarah Breakthrough, you know, they very, very quickly will grow into the valuation, right? Mm-hmm. And at that, that point, Sarah was a 12-person, 13-person team. It was crazy. So for me, it, it, you know, even though I thought the valuation was high at that point, I knew they were going to, you know, grow into it and beyond. Yeah. So uh, for me, it was a very easy, you know, look, Sarah takes up about 20, 30 hours a week for me. So, you know, I, I want to still be part of the story. I want to, you know, I'm, I'm as much of a player as anyone else. You yeah. know, I, I, I get emotional, you know, my emotional, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, my emotional being on weekends is highly dependent on my, you know, my lineup scores. Uh, so for me, it was, you know, an opportunity to double down. So I wasn't, you know, I mean, I think we're all happy for the company, but I think it was an opportunity to invest more into the company. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of things based off what you said there that I just have questions on, right? So the first one is, I think it's a nice thing that you're obviously an investor. Now, I don't understand necessarily the relationship you have with SoRare on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis, or even quarterly. Um, but something that sometimes people, myself included, I don't know if it's feedback or what it is, but an opinion that is out there um, is that because the SoRare employees can't hold SoRare accounts and play SoRare, quite often it's felt that they might be a little bit detached from the game and what users actually want. Maybe that's yeah. right. Maybe that's wrong. Do you know, there's loads of different feedback channels. I'm sure they have obviously Dan does a lot of work in the community and there's others who are monitoring the sentiment, but as an investor who can play, do you know, that's beautiful because you're getting the real experience. You have your own frustrations. Do you have to, as an investor, do you have more direct channels maybe to feed that back? That's a good question. So the answer is I, 
you know, and this is this is a very this is a very common question, and it applies to not only Soraya but a bunch of other companies I've backed, right? Mm-hmm. Now, with Soraya, I consider myself, and funny you should ask, I consider myself a user first and investor second, yeah. only because I, you know, that's how I view the, you know, that's you know, that's how ingrained it is in my life, um, that that I consider myself a user first and investor second. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing that you want to know is for me, Soraya is one out of you know, 400 plus investments that I have. Okay. Um, and so, so for me, I do know, you know, the Brian, I don't know Dan necessarily. I do know Nicola, but, but it's not like we chat all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and if, and when we do chat, uh, it's about helping the company out and, you know, hiring, uh, or in a potential partnership. Yeah. Like you know, leveraging uh, your Exactly. Versus versus providing user feedback specifically only because like it's very important for me uh, to maintain uh, some form of separation uh, Mm. because I used to work you know, in technology companies myself, right? Spotify and Tinder. And a lot of people use Spotify. A lot of people use Tinder. Right. Mm. Uh, And I often get confronted by you know uh you know with questions from my friends and family about these services right and and oftentimes they also send me feedback but as you know a bd or a growth person at these companies i don't have the mechanism to you know to to collect these feedback and to put it into action right because i'm not part of that team and and also we have the infrastructure in place internally to collect feedback from users in a structured way right so knowing that you know, if I chat with Nicholas or, you know, or Brian or anyone else at Sorare, I'm not, you know, I, 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 I'm just respectful of their time. So yeah. I, I, I sort of leverage that opportunity or that interaction for something of like a higher value assistance, right? So for example, you know, for two reasons. One is, you know, I feel like the, the community that Sorare has, uh, you know, it's, it's extremely engaged and extremely um uh, um, you know, there's a high feedback loop because you're hearing about, yeah. you know, whenever something breaks, you have 400 people on it. So yeah. it's actually pretty, the, the feedback loop is pretty, pretty quick. So I, I don't need to be another person you yeah, know, to, yeah, bring, yeah. To, to, to bring it up, you know, in the outside, know outside the channels, right? Because it'll be very annoying for them. And the second thing is it's just leveraging, you know, my network or my knowledge as a, as a, not as a user, but as a tech, you know, person yeah. or tech operator, which I think could be more interesting for them. So I think that's the way, that's the way I see it. Um, uh, I don't interact with them as often as you, people think I do or yeah, investors yeah. do only because it's, you know, again, I, I consider myself a, like all the frustrations you have, I probably will also have, <laughs> yeah. right? But, but it doesn't mean I'm going to share it with them all the time. I'll yeah. share it through the Discord, but I'm they're not going to. They're separate. Yeah. yeah, they're separate yeah. entities almost. And that kind of leads just to the second point, which is something that I assume you get you hear all the time is that you know as a user that's one side of your brain say the other side of the brain as the investor um leveraging time and, and using it more importantly and respecting the, the team's time and you know you 400 companies so it's just one blah 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 you probably don't have 400 different caps though which maybe says something um, <laughs> that you were in a so, so rare one but through the investor side of it through the relationship you have there through the i don't know the different communication channels would you ever hear some information before a standard user would hear it like is there oh, an edge there i i don't think i i personally don't think there's an edge mm. uh i don't think there's an edge um only because i think the company has been very careful and thoughtful about it mm. um and if the company and by the way if the company hasn't been thoughtful about it i clearly have you know uh, missed multiple, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so I, uh, I don't think there's an edge necessarily, um, only because 
for two things. One is um, the company, you know, provides high level updates that, you know, are very, very, you know, you'd call generic because mm. it's all, you know, blockchain based, uh, you know, sorry, very, very transparent based updates. Right. Um, and also I, you know, my, my, my usage on Serer is very, very, you know, uh, dependent on my sort of day-to-day and uh, my, my personal schedule. Mm-hmm. So I don't have the time to go, you know, deep into Sorer and identify opportunities. For me, it's very, you know, my my user relationship with Sorer is very, you know, ad hoc, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and um, very, you know, opportunistic. I don't have the time to, you know, research DNPs, suspensions. You know, I, you know, I, it's very intermittent, Um uh, but it take you know it consumes a lot of time, but I don't you know you know I don't I'm not as deep as other users are. Mm. So uh, I think I think I don't think there's any you know again there's so many investors in the company, mm. um, and I don't think you know if you ask them I don't think there's any uh, I don't think there's any edge you know being like, to be and, and- to be quite pointed with it. Then I suppose the question I could say is, would you ever get communication outside the standard user that gives you information that the standard user wouldn't have? I don't think it's unnatural or I don't think it's particularly unrealistic for that not to be the case. Obviously, yeah. I think that would be a pitchfork type event, not necessarily big time, but I think people would be like, well, why are these guys getting information before me? And it's like, well, they're investors in the company. That's why. But is that a, is that the case? Does that happen? Uh, I think I think it's only normal for the company to share, you know, uh, priorities hiring you know with investors but mm-hmm. i personally don't think it has given me you know i don't think it i don't think what the inf- what company shares with investors have given would have given investors any edge whatsoever mm-hmm. uh it's, it's not coming to you saying we're changing fullback scoring because that would be like oh shit let's go buy super rare trend <laughs> you know you know to be honest i you know i haven't so i haven't pay, i don't pay attention as much as you know, as, as I should to these updates, mm. to, you know, Surah updates or any other updates for that matter, and I should. Uh, but again, I don't, I don't consider, I don't consider them giving. And, and think about it this way, right? Surah, you know, they've generally been very, very thoughtful uh, about communication and about um, about about community engagement, right? So mm. I, I, I think, by and large, you know, I consider that like the way they've been acting. I feel like they've got a higher bar and, and level of accountability to the consumers and to the users than they do to the investors. Mm. Um, uh, and, I've, and it, and it kind of shows the level of investment that they've, you know, um, they've made uh, towards, you know, towards user engagement, towards user communication right. and transparency. Obviously, there were humps along the way, you know, but that's you know expected. But I see that they've put a lot more emphasis and investment into that. So I, you know. I think if you ask anyone else who's an investor in Sura, I think they'll give they'll probably give you the same answer only because, you know, I think it's in the company's best interest to, to 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 do that. Mm. Well, look, I've, I've peppered you a bit about that. Um, being an investor, I suppose there's two things that I want to throw at you off the back of it. Um, first off, we'll, we'll lighten the mood and then we'll go back into the depths of depression. You visited Sura HQ. Yeah. Tell us, was it fun? Was it nice? So, you kicked the ball really around fun. their little court, did you? I did. It was really fun. Uh, very happy. Very happy. You know, was in Paris for a couple of weeks. Uh, was very happy to pop by, to pop in, uh, meet the team, got some swag. Uh, and you know, when I was uh, I was working from the lobby, I was working from the ground floor, and I heard this very familiar sounding, familiar voice, <laughs> and the voice that I only 
you know, I've heard, I've heard during, you know, podcasts so over Zoom, it turned out to be Mark from YN, you know, mm. YNWA. Mark. I yelled at him. I was like, Mark. It was like, hey, we ended up catching. It was really fun. Yeah. Uh, it was really fun. I, I really enjoyed that. And it was that serendipitous conversation with Mark, who I, you know, who sort of onboarded me on Surair very early on. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, but there was that serendipitous conversation talking about, you know, Sarah data, you know, you know how, how, how does he put his lineups, you know, opening up, a, you know, it was, it was really fun. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. I yeah. think like I definitely want to visit HQ before the end of the year. Um, maybe even both offices, who knows, but I think there is something special about meeting other Sarah managers. We were saying just before we recorded that like in your day-to-day life and in everyday life, I'd say 99% of the users, 95 anyway, don't have someone who's actually like a friend for years outside of Solar, outside of Twitter, outside of Discord that they yeah. can, you know, meet for a coffee and set teams with. You know, it's not that mainstream yet. Hopefully one day we get there. But I think like when I went to Barcelona, it was amazing. Um, and within the next sort of two weeks, three weeks, I'm going to Calpe, Calp. I don't know if it's Calpe or Calp in Spain. Yeah. Uh, meeting Quinny and Hendo and a few other guys and we're going to a couple of matches there then me and Quinny are actually going to Manchester to watch Manchester versus Sport in Lisbon now the fixture's all but done I think they won 5-0 last night but still yeah. it'll be nice hopefully I can bump into some people I'm going to Berlin myself um, on a sort of personal trip in about geez, next weekend and I've reached out to Niftio who was on the podcast before he's based in Berlin might meet up with him anyone else who's about but it's just there's something special about meeting up with other Surreal managers and you know, one day we'll we'll do the New York trip, and um, hopefully you'll be there. It'll be really fun. We should put something together. I think uh, the Sura Data guys are also here. Um, we can get a, 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 AJ or you know A dot J dot to come to, to come up. It'll be really fun. And yeah. we can um, we can set up SoRareCon, and I can utilize my domain, my Web two domain, SoRareCon dot com. It's for sale if you want it. The yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I think you know the, the, FPL, said the better. The FPL community has about eight million users, and you know it's safe to say that you know four million of them are active. Um, you know, and FPL is you know you do that for bragging rights, right? Because it's you know it's free. Mm. I think Sorare. I think Sorare is like, you know, like you know, for those who are you know passively interested in football and want to you know want to. You know, be engaged with the sport at some level. FPL is a great way to get in. But mm. Suarez for the you know diehards who, you know, you yeah. know who wanna, and and I, it's always nice to meet a fellow Suarez manager. You know, like meeting a fellow FPL manager does not give you the same, does not give me the same you know excitement. But meeting a fellow Suarez manager. You know, because mm. it's like, hey, there's no see a man of culture over there. You know what I mean? It's like, see a man of culture, the hat on over the headset. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like the, it's like the hat tip and going, yes, I see, you. I see you, I see you. Yeah, no, I can't wait. I think like it'll be a huge thing for them. Obviously, I think COVID's ruined it to an extent, and obviously now they're so stretched, which we'll get on to. Um, but I think obviously as their infrastructure improved and they're and they employ more people, I think so rare con type events will be just part and parcel of the year every quarter yeah. every six months biannually something like that even an annual one and i think yeah. there would be a huge reception um because let's be and quite frank you know it's it's a it's a high net worth individual space i'd say a lot of people could afford to fly to it you know and and imagine by the way you do it over the euros of the world cup you know um, and then you have all these special tournaments that'll be really fun absolutely and then like special nfts for attending and stuff like this yeah. ah 
the, the sky's the limit. There's so much that could be done. And that leads me on to the next point, kind of from the investor side and also from the user side. Um, you infamously, as I said at the start, you called, I, think, <laughs> I don't know whether it was individuals or the community in general, Muppet, who <sighs> didn't have a clue what they were at, but there was a perception that's so rare. And I have to say, like, I have kind of banged the drum myself, um, maybe wrongly. And I, if, I, if you disagree, I'd love you to, to counter that's so rare are moving really slow. It's been, it has been a while since we've had anything meaningful. It feels, um, it, now, how long is a while? I mean, to be fair, it's only been, what, five or four or five months since Bundesliga, La Liga, Series B, etc. So whenever you actually put it in perspective and think back five months, maybe it hasn't been that long. But I think in terms of the rewards and how flawed they've been in terms of this progression bar that seems to never be common, um, I mean, some things definitely have been slow. What's your general perception or what's your reaction if I say to you, so rare are moving too slow? Yeah, so I can give you so many perspectives and 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 all these perspectives are not wrong, right? Because these yeah. are perspectives and you know, it's not a question of right or wrong. It's, I think it's a question of priority. So I think, you know, we are, you know, in it day to day and we sort of, you know, at a high level, you know, we tend to overestimate what a company can do in the in a in a one two year period, but underestimate what a company can do in a three to five year period, right? <clears throat> so, uh, what what that what that what that means is, it's only normal and fair for users like us to be restless and to think that the company is acting slowly, because mm. we're in it day to day and we don't see the changes that you know that 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 has to be ha- that has to happen. Now. For, but over a three to five year period, you know these things, these changes will happen, and the company and the, and the games will get better and better. Whether it's rewards, yeah. dynamics, whatever. So I'm, I'm fairly bullish on these things happening eventually. Right. The question yeah. is timing and priorities. Now, what AJ mentioned, like I'm not disagreeing with him, but but there like but I also think that you know having, you know seeing how the company has scaled from ten people, twelve people to now 30, 40, 50 people, I do think. I'm just personally, I I am personally giving them a lot more leeway and a lot more um, uh, time, only because I I know what's it like, right? And um, and also, you know, companies tend to slow down before they 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 start uh, sprinting again. So I think we're what we're seeing is you know, Sura is scaling up from 18 people to 80 people. And that process, when you're onboarding new employees, it usually takes a lot of time, blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's very normal for, for startups to slow down before they start accelerating again, mm. because that's what scale brings you. That's what pe- more people brings you. Um, so I I think you know your perspective on Sorare being too slow is correct, uh, and it's fair. Uh, and I also think my perspective that is... You know the company will take a you know uh, will eventually get to this and mm-hmm. have also made you know pretty amazing progress over the past few months and will eventually deal with the things that you know we all are frustrated with and I think that's also I think these two perspectives can coexist. Mm-hmm. I think they've done a phenomenal job in the two and a half in the past two years, right? If you see the yeah. things that have shipped, it's just you know again if we take a high level perspective, if you see a roadmap, you know they've done you know you know D five. You know, sorry, the you know, the limited. They've done you know Bundesliga. They've done you know uh, new league. They've done this. They've done that. So it's pretty. The pace of execution is actually pretty quick at a at a, mm-hmm. at, a, at, a, at a at a macro level. It's just that we we operate. You know, we use her at on a daily basis. We don't see it, you know, changing meaningfully. But mm-hmm. at a high level, I do think they've been executing really really quickly. Now, 
a lot of people will disagree and that's they, they're also right but i i generally tend to have a very macro perspective yeah um, and a lot more and i'm a lot more forgiving uh of folks who are operating in the company only because i've i've done it myself and i'm trying yeah. to be empathetic but it also does not mean that you are incorrect you know what i mean like like yeah. like if you think that they are slow they they are probably slow but but i you know i, I just have different perspectives I think like I have two things to throw back on that, not necessarily throw back at you, but just to contribute. I think personally myself, I could, um, I wouldn't say I'm guilty of it, but I am a bit more macro thinking and patient with them because while I'm throwing the slow question to you and while maybe last week in the podcast, I was mentioning the slowness again to techers and it's more the sentiment that I'm feeling and the, the, the sentiment that I'm gauging through the feedback to my content as well of that slowness. But personally, I'm not worried about it or getting revved up because for me, with the amount of effort and time and resources I put into creating so rare content, both on YouTube and here and Twitter, the amount of that, amount of that I do, the DMs I reply to every day from beginners, all of that for me, it's a macro play based on the long-term future of so rare. Do you know, I'm not doing this for the now and so rare. I'm doing this because I believe in two years time, I could be full time at this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've, I hope that so rare gets big enough that I can, bank my future on that yeah. um the second thing to throw in is just probably a shit analogy i'm getting known for them um but maybe it's relevant it's just that time distortion um between maybe the so rare team and so rare or investors versus the 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 average consumer and user Absolutely. it's it mightn't really it might not compare but in, in my day job i'm an air traffic controller um high stress environment wow no Super time stress yeah, no time more so than when you get a Mayday. I'm only 28. I've had maybe three or four Maydays in my career so far, which is actually quite high in terms of like, I have colleagues have been there for 20 years, haven't had one. I've been quite unlucky. Um, but they always talk about when we're trained for that, that for the air traffic controller, because what will happen is a pilot will go Mayday, Mayday, um, engine number two is out, we'll call you back, or bird strike, we'll call you back. We've lost pressure, we'll call you back, smoke in the cockpit, whatever. And for an air traffic controller, our first job is just to acknowledge, right? We just say, Roger, and we let them deal with the emergency. For us, it feels like an eternity until they call again. Because we're sat there, we can do nothing. Maybe we're, maybe we're busy, maybe we're clearing the skies, maybe we're moving other planes, maybe we're rejigging things. But if it's a quiet outside that, it feels like an eternity until that pilot tells you when realistically it might've been 90 seconds. It might've been 60 seconds Oof. since his first call, but they yeah. always talk about the time distortion because you're sitting there on your hands thinking like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And all you want to do is contact them and get more information. But it's the worst thing you can do because they're going through checklists, working out what they need to do. And the worst thing you can do is butt in because if you butt in, yeah. they have to restart a checklist. That's like a rule in piloting. If there's pilots listen, maybe you'll disagree or know the actual intricacies of it, but that's what we're told in ATC. From the pilot's perspective, time, they just want time. They want more time. There isn't enough time. Time is flying. And it's that distortion in that it can be two minutes. To me, it feels like 30 minutes. To him, it feels yeah. like two seconds. And it's not quite the same, but I feel like there's a similarity in terms of like in the so rare offices, they're probably working at a million miles a minute, feeling like they're getting things done and moving. To the average consumer who's on the outside, looking at the company from the outside, not hearing what's happening in the cockpit. Yeah. Do you know? To us, it feels yeah. like nothing's happening. We're sat there just waiting. But we're not hearing what's going on on the other side of the comms. We don't yeah. have a clue. And in that case where the kind of relevance of the analogy comes in is I think what a lot of people just want is the pilot, AKA Nicholas or Dan to say, 
here's what we're currently doing. This yeah. is an ETA and when we'll get back to you. Yeah. Do you know, this is what we're, our priority list is. Leave us be for a minute while we work away. Do you know? Yeah. For a shit yeah. analogy, I think it's actually okay. No, it's actually it's actually pretty good. And, you know, there are a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes, right? That, uh, mm. that, that a lot of people don't have, you know, pre, are not privy to. But also, like, you know, you mentioned investors and employees. I think, you know, I think the Sura, you know, you know, I personally have like a three, four, five, ten year horizon with Sura, right? Because I think it's, you know, you know, so for me, you know, you know, whatever micro changes that happen on a daily or weekly basis, you know, has less of an impact, you know, to me only because I see things from a five, ten year horizon. I think Sura is going to be a massive company, and whatever mm. daily fluctuations that happen, you know, game rewards, dynamic rewards, mechanics, this, you know, you know, I I, I tend to over overlook them only because I've got that, you know, I'm pegged towards a longer time horizon, mm. right? Whereas if you're playing it on a daily, weekly basis, and you know, trying to you know hit the thresholds on a weekly basis, I can see I can see how, you know, this would. You know, the, you know how people would react, right? Mm. If there's no news on a weekly basis, so so I think you're you're right about the time distortion and the perspectives. It's very very different. You know, working at a startup, one year could feel like four years because mm. uh, there's so many things to do, uh, and 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 being outside of it, you know, you know, four months could could you know of of, of nothing happening, you know, could feel like you know a year of nothing happening mm. uh, because because we're in it you know, day to day. So it's actually two sides of the same coin if you think about it. So, you know, employees of startups, you know, because it's million miles an hour, you know, four months feels like a year. But for us players who play it, you know, 10, 20 hours a week, you know, twice a week deadlines, you know, four months of non-activity feels mm. like two years of non-activity. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's like it's like the two sides of the same coin. Uh, but I am very, I'm bullish. I'm long-term. I do think, you know, they'll, they'll like, like let, let's put it this way. They know what the prior. They know what needs to be fixed. Mm. They know what the priorities are because everyone tells them, right? Uh, you know. So it, I think for me, it's a question of timing and priority versus whether or not it gets fixed, right? Because yeah. if they're not fixing this, it must mean that they're probably fi- trying to figure out something else that's higher impact or that's more important, right? So it's not like they don't know. I think it's just a matter of sequencing. You know, with given current resources, sequencing what's important, and then with more resources, they should be able to tackle a lot more things. So I do think, again, they know what we are. You know, we're all complaining about. I think it's a question of do we do it now versus you yeah. know, something else that's higher priority or like five months down the line. In terms of that priority list, though, do you feel that there's a sentiment in the community where they feel maybe they're prioritizing growth over the current user base's happiness or? enjoyment or experience do you know where they're looking for these new licenses they're looking to promote it they're looking to do you know do you know that kind of general sentiment that i'm on about yeah i think so so they will both inevitably end up in the same place or the the the, the, the former will eventually satisfy the latter it's just a case of what happens in the now you know yeah, maybe I, the user experience <clears throat> of the now is suffering but maybe they are growing or so the the thing is it's very hard to say because you know when i was at you know tinder and spotify we had a lot of user complaints about how the the apps were designed and built hmm. let me let me let me sort of give you one another analogy right you know a shitty analogy it might be sometimes um, they but, come good i mean coleslaw yeah. lasagna was amazing i was surprised that's a thing yeah um <laughs> I'll buy you one. When I heard that, um, but you know, at, at Facebook, um, you know, when they changed their newsfeed from one version of a newsfeed to another version of the newsfeed donkey years ago, a lot of people complained about the change, right? Because they're so accustomed 
to mm. you know seeing one one news feed again facebook is you know i'm dating myself but but when when you actually look at the metrics you know consumers are actually spending more time on the product right mm. so so i do think you know you know so I, I i so i don't know what the answer to the question is you know you know if i was Soraya, i would be prioritizing both right because yeah. you know growth and user satisfaction are both very very important but but i do think there's some element of you know hey you know what we're going to be spending a lot we're, like we're spending a lot of time on the app anyway so from a metrics perspective things are still looking good right mm. and if the, if the metrics are still looking good and people are still going to be complaining then you know why not grow at the top of the funnel mm. right so 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 i so i don't know what the answer to the question is i do think growing the platform is a, is is inevitable i think it's something that they have you know for the mm. sake of the liquidity for the sake of the marketplace for the sake of everything else growing the pl- platform makes a lot of sense um, I don't know whether it's at the expense of user happiness and engagement because it's very important to Sarah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think there are some valid concerns. And I'm giving a generic response here because I really don't know what the answer is. Yeah. Uh, I just I, I, I do think they're not overlooking it. I just think, you know, there are always going to be people complaining uh, about things that are not happening. Um, and they're still coming back to the product, right? They're still using it on a weekly basis. You know, so it's still yeah. there's still a hook there. So, you know, so things are kind of working, you know, some people are frustrated, most people aren't, you know, the people who are frustrated are still coming back. So, you know, <laughs> from, from my eyes, you know, as a consumer, you know, you know, tech, you know, builder, you know, that's inevitable, right? When in your, yeah. in your, in your consumer base, you know, in your active consumer base, there's going to be always, you know, 20, 30% of them is going to be complaining. Uh, and the rest who, you know, might feel the same way, but not voice out their opinions, but mm. they do come back and use the product on a regular basis. So it's still not a bad situation to be in, right? So yeah. I, I can't give you an answer on whether no or not No one's throwing the toys out of the pram to the extent that they're selling up. Exactly. Apart That's from point. maybe the absolute anomaly, like maybe. There's, and they just start another account and just not tell anyone for pride. But anyway, yeah. a question I want to throw at you um, based off that macro view and looking at the next five, eight, ten 10 years if I was to ask you to be as bullish as you can be, or realistically bullish as you can be, in if everything went to plan for you as an investor, as a SoRare user, what does SoRare look like in 10 years? Five years. It's impossible to project. You can't possibly, but within the realms of what you think is even possible. Okay, you know, five years from now, we're going to look like Muppets, you know, when we get, when, when we guess, you know, what's going <laughs> on. You know, you know, we, we okay. We tend to overestimate what's happening in one two years and underestimate what's happening in the next three to five years. So if I say anything now, you know, about what Sarah is going to be in five years, they're probably going to be heads and you know shoulders beyond what you know what we discuss. I think that's good because then you're reasonably going to be you can be conservative and it can still be exciting. No, only because like my line of sight, the way I see Sarah platform, you know, in the next three, four, five years, very linear. But what's actually mm. going to happen is they're going to take off in ways that we cannot imagine them taking yeah. off, right? The so Jerry V boom that happened one year you know, ago. That maybe other sports, maybe other sports, maybe you know, maybe maybe you have you know uh, uh, a multi-sport version of a fantasy game. Maybe mm. you have an ecosystem on top. So if you ask me, I don't know. I think they could be as big as you know Activision for sports. Uh, Activision is a pretty big company. Mm. You know, there's a line of sight there. I can see that happening uh, with fantasy, with other types of games, with an ape, with an ecosystem built on top, with a bunch of you know uh, feeder games. You know, I can see them becoming a media company, right? A sports media company, the next ESPN, uh, the next. Uh, uh, I can see that happening. That's something you know, I, I always see- talk about, and I always feel like I'm being over bullish 
Do you know, whenever I go on other people's podcasts within the space and they talk about so rare in the future, I always go down the route of there isn't somewhere that exists and the consumer wants it and the consumer wants it and if it existed, they would use it. Where I can get highlights of a particular goal as it happens, I get to see who scored and I have to wait till later and try and access highlights through the right license and package. Yeah. What everyone who watches football wants and whoever can provide it wins is 10 second clips of Goals, assists, goal line clearances, penalties, red cards. That's yeah. golden. Is that too much to potentially expect? So, so licensing is a pain in the ass. I know, but but I, I can't even, so licensing is still stuck in the caveman years, mm. right? Where you know it's still, you know, it's all legacy licenses that are carved out in ways that, you know, that that it's been going on for the in the last 20, 30 years. It's the same old, same old. But I I can see a world where bite-sized licenses you know, like imagine this many years ago, you know, uh, we have collectible, uh, uh, you know, physical cards. Right. And then, then came digital cards and people are wondering, mm. wait, what's this? And, you know, and, and, and the premier leagues of the world and the law leaders of the world now have another revenue opportunity in the form of digital mm. cards, right. The or digital NFTs. So I can imagine a world where licensing gets bite-sized. Right. So, so, so let's go back to the previous question. What can, you know, how can, you know, what will Sarai be in the next five to 10 years? Mm. I can see a line of sight towards a gaming giant, right. Activision for sports. Right. Mm. I can see a line of sight from a media perspective, right? Like the new ESPN, right? Uh, I can see a line of sight to both with the with the with the with the broadcasting element added onto it, right? Because then you not only mm. become media from a you know uh, from a live from a from a you know from a pu- publishing perspective, but you also now become a broadcaster. So I can see you know Surya becoming you know yeah all of the, all of the above, right? But I don't mm. know you know what the what you know again I don't know what the what what the company plans are, right? Yeah. What, the, what Nicholas plans are now. Uh, so. Yeah, I can see like companies like Sorare are what I what I would call companies that have captured lightning in a bottle. Right, mm. lightning in a bottle means they have the ability to augment the 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 the, the, the gravity fields around them. Right, because of so much user engagement and because of what they've done is so unique and they've got a lot of traction. They're, like I can see them bending stuff, bending rules that would fail. Bending them. the norm. Bending the norm. So that's why it's very hard. You know, because our norms right now, when when we're asked to project stuff, we're all basing it off today's norms. Mm. But Sarag, given the phenomena that they are, you know, they they might be able to bend their way into doing stuff in the future that we cannot imagine. Mm. And you know, whether it's bite-sized licensing, whether it's you know the full end-to-end you know sporting experience, you know, like you know you know Manchester United collectibles, memorabilia, digital collect, you know, physical cards, media consumption, everything. I don't know. But mm. when you have that so, that powerful user base, that you know, when you've got lightning in a bottle, you can bend, you know, you can you can bend the gravitational uh, uh, field. So I don't know, right? Mm. Um, so 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 it's very hard to project in the next one or two years. That you know, it's easy, right? More sports, more users, uh, potentially more, uh, you know, one of one of ten thousand, one of two, mm. one of five. I don't know, but it's so easy to project, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but in the next five years, oh, who knows? So who knows? Uh, who knows yeah. what what road they take? We we'll move on. I'm going to give a spoiler out to the crowd. So everyone who doesn't want to hear the spoiler, I'll say it within the next thirty seconds. So if you skip forward twice, you won't hear it. Celtic cards are coming. They've been leaked. Celtic cards are coming, which means the if I just spoil this for you, Celtic. No. Oh shit. Maybe I should have told you to block your ears. So the SPFL, I'm imagining the, f- the full license. They definitely have Celtic cards. One was rewarded accidentally last midweek, I think. Um, 
there's a Celtic card on the platform, which means more are coming, <laughs> which means SPFL will happen. Now people will be tuning cool. back in after the 30 second skip. So we won't say anything specific again, but does that idea excite you without spoiling it somehow? <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. Ball leagues, you know, yeah. better. Uh, also, for me, I do quite, I do quite enjoy leagues, and I'm, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't refer to what you just said earlier. I'll yeah. just try to keep it generic. The more leagues where you have like standout uh, teams, winners, standout standout teams, the better. Uh, like you know, the Dutch league, you have you know, IX, you know, mm. uh, the German league, you buy. So I, I quite like that because it gives me an opportunity to buy, you know the two teams yeah. from that league or the one team from that league uh and then and then be competitive so i actually look forward to you know look forward and to that the more leagues with dominant teams and sort of stacks that stand out means there'll be more variance in the stacks that are played and more variance in terms of teams that will win 4-0 consistently which means that that's not necessarily ajax will win or bayern munich will win new game weeks every time because there's another team here that will potentially win by that margin every week but the same players are going to buy this you know like you know if you yeah, have an yeah. stack or a buy-in stack you're going to go and buy a you know a stack yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. another yeah. stack yeah. yeah so anyway look i just wanted to put that out there it's out there we have a couple of things to discuss and we'll try and get into some questions we're, we're probably just over halfway through uh yeah. but that was brilliant look thanks so much for for opening my eyes and just sort of talking with the investor chat and all and, and everything else your perspective i think it's quite fresh um particularly in this podcast because I haven't spoken to someone in your position before. So thank you so much for that. No worries. Um, I wanna I wanna I wanna interrupt and say that you know Salzburg buy-in zero zero inter Liverpool zero zero. So oh yeah we're we're recording during Champions League. We we planned this podcast a couple of weeks ago and maybe didn't have the foresight. But um yeah you have a stack or two going don't you? Yeah I do I actually have I think seven players from Bayern playing uh um, oh, wow. open up my Sura data. I have yeah eight players from Sura sorry from uh, one so, two three yeah. Inter and Liverpool, Inter Liverpool are 11 minutes in and Trent has already lost. He's already minus 4.1 in his AA. <laughs> he's created a, he's an attempt, two attempted assists or one attempted assist, but in terms of possession lost, he's doing what he does best and just kicking the ball to the opposition while trying to create. <laughs> I do think fullbacks are overpenalized. Maybe I'm biased, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Something I want to throw at you. Um, Again, I don't know how much you care about this, but there's two things just on the support channel on so rare. One that's important people here, the other one, which is, I don't know, controversial. Uh, Dan put in today at 10, 19 a.m. FC Carlos Stein versus Club Universitario de Deportes. The coverage, Apta's coverage is tier nine for that game. Now, I don't know which one of these clubs, but there's players here that are licensed. Um which means just live scores, goal scores, and that's booking subs, formations, assists, and penalty shootout scores. That's below the required coverage for a so rare game week fixture. I imagine that's in the T's and C's of the game. The fixture will therefore not be scored in game week 246. They apologize for the inconvenience. I suppose the way I want to put this to you is like, is that good enough? I suppose so rare have a data package from the most reputable and top sort of data provider in terms of football across the globe, which is Opta. All they can do, unless they go and send little people to watch every single game in the world, is rely on Opta for those stats. If Opta don't give a sufficient covering for the, a fixture, is I don't know if there's an option there for so rare to pay for them to do so, um, like to fund the extra coverage or what it is. But my question is, can so rare do better on that front or do you think they're out of, that's out of control? Because I've seen someone on Twitter today who literally bought like five or six of like the highest 
scoring player in that fixture, trading based off it, hoping that he could flip the player, which is a completely legitimate strategy. But now the fixture has been dropped and he's probably going to lose money. Yeah. So, I mean, Opta is a dependency, right? And they're mm-hmm. the biggest and best data provider to everyone, actually. You know, you know, this is not, it does not only apply to Sarai, it applies to everyone else in the world. Um, so it's an unfortunate dependency, but it is a dependency. Um, I think, you know, I don't think it's, like, the way I look at it is these things happen. You got to take it on the chin. You know, it's, you know, I've got many lineups crushed due to COVID DMPs. Uh, you know, during the COVID, you know, I remember a few weeks ago, you know, a year ago, there were a bunch of games that got canceled last minute and we all had DMPs. I think it's just part and parcel of the game, uh, you know, Black Swan events like this. Uh, there's inevitably in an open marketplace like Sorare, some people are bound to get, you know, hurt. Some people are bound to get, uh, are bound to be on the wrong side of the transaction. And these things happen. Um, mm. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not sad nor happy for this person because it's just, you know, one of these things that happen. And let me give you another example, you know, which is not, you know, similar, but it's analogous. You know, I stupidly thought, um, you know, Adrian was the second, you know, goalkeeper for Liverpool and I snapped up about 15 rares and then a couple of super rares. Mm-hmm. And then someone on Discord told me that it's actually some other guy. And I was like, oh, shit, her, yeah. You know? yeah, exactly. So I look, and this is me, you know, I follow the EPL <laughs> more mm. regularly than anyone else. And I'm not, you know, it happens, right? So I'm not, you know, again, I'm not blaming that person. Uh, I'm not blaming Surrey. I'm not blaming Opta. It's just, it's stuff like this that happens, you know, that you just have to take it on the chin and, you know, it's part and parcel of the game. So it's it's unfortunate, but, you know, it is mm. it is what it is. I think if if I knew there was a way so rare could do it in terms of saying, here, lads, we'll give you an extra five grand or 10 grand or whatever, I don't even know how much it would cost to give us the full level of coverage for that game if they have to prepare that ahead of time and therefore they can do it. I mean, if there was a way so rare could make it happen, then yes, I do feel so rare could be accountable. I don't know the answer to that question, but I feel as it stands where, as you say, Opta is a dependency. I mean, that's out of so rare's control in that instance, and it just is what it is, and you have to take it in the chin. And I think the one lesson there is when you're trading around fixtures, when you're trading around anything, you should never throw all your eggs in the one basket because things like this do happen. It's about diversity and about, Responsible exactly. trading because it's not gambling. No, exactly. But also, like you know, if, if Sarah, if, if there was a mechanism for Sarah, if there was another tier for you know, if, you know, I'm sure Sarah would have signed up for some you know some mm. form of coverage, right? So I think it's more of an opta dependency than anything, an opta limitation. Um, and you know, by the way, you know, you know, again, I'm just brainstorming here. But one thing Sarah could do because it's highly reliant on data is you know I can imagine a world where a third party company gets built, you know, to compete with Okta and the likes of Surak could invest in it or could build their own, right, through mm-hmm. a third party partnership and then encourage an Okta competitor in the market, right? Uh, and that could be more granular, more, you know, more, more, you know, more, uh, more feet, uh, more people on the streets, you know, on the stadiums mm-hmm. covering it. So that could be some interesting, you know, off tangent, you know, uh, you know, uh, road, you know uh, product roadmap, uh, you know, uh, direction yeah. that an you know, officer can take down the line. Yeah, absolutely. We'll move on to the next thing, uh, which is that I got a couple of messages, unfortunately, on Twitter. And sorry to those who got burnt. I don't know how they ended up there. I don't know how it happened. But uh, Dan put out a thing today, I'd have to say, please keep away from this website, m-sorare.com. Do not go to that website. It's a dangerous phishing website that attempts to get your SoRare credentials. Ensure you use two-factor authentication for your SoRare accounts and use a safe password that isn't used anywhere else. If you have any further questions, you know, reach out to them at the help center. 
Um, yeah, a few people got burnt by this. I don't know exactly how it worked, but it sounds pretty shit. So if you're listening, yeah, definitely just be careful out there. Um, there's nothing really yeah, to say that's more award awarding, but if you have something to add, please do. Yeah, yeah. My advice is, um, you know, I used to be, I used to have the same password, you know, different versions of the same password for everything, you know, many years ago. And then I downloaded something called One Password, right? Which, which, which I install as a plugin, which now creates unique, unique passwords for everything I use. So mm-hmm. if one thing gets hacked, I don't get, you know, the, you know, it's, it's, it's a single point of failure versus multiple. No, sorry, it's, it's not single point of failure. Mm. It's, you know, it's, 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 if one thing gets hacked, it doesn't sort of spread anywhere else. So that's one thing I would advise: get like a, a one password or, or a password generating, you know, service that stores your password. You don't, you don't know these passwords will store it for you. Um, the second what thing happens is if you need to, sorry, what happens if you need to like if you change your device? Is it just that you have one oh, account in it and it stores everything else? No, so you have a mobile app version of this app, of the service and a browser version of the service. So if you're so, for example, if you create a login, um, you know, for you know Sorare, and then you know because you have a browser plugin, you know, at the password uh, mm. entry, it'll, it'll, it'll prompt you to you know to 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 click on Auto-fill. this app. And 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 the autofill will uh, will recommend this app, and then you can the, the app will recommend a you know, sixteen mm. character password that you can save. And once you save it, automatically saves in the in the plugin. Cool. And then when you when you're trying to log in from your mobile, you know it's stored in the mobile as Auto-populate. well. Auto populates. Yeah, exactly. So do that. And the second one is two factor. You know, like Sorare is a it's an it has an in game economy. You know, it's it's the, the cards are all worth something. And you know, inevitably, there are a lot of people who might you know want to you know come in and try to scam or scheme you out of these things. So mm. you know, I would use a different password for everything, and then you know, and use a two-factor um, you know to, to to save myself. Yeah. Absolutely. The next thing, and probably the most contentious thing of the day, is rewards. Now, what I'm going to say about rewards. Oh, Red Bull Salzburg, Salzburg just scored. <laughs> Tell me it was Brendan goes, Aronson. Tell me it was Brendan goes, Aronson. There goes the stacks. Oh. You see, I picked Aronson for a lineup because Munich lost like 5-1 or something to Bochum or something, didn't they? Yeah. I so I was like, if they Chuk can do that, Bui, Salzburg can do something. Shukwu Buike Adamo, who came in in the 12th minute for Noah Akafor. Okay, let's hope Aronson uh, got the assist. Byron Stacker's in the mud. So, the mud. rewards, which you mightn't get any of this week based on that news. Um, so... Dan put out something to say. Basically, look, we all know the, the kind of gist of what's happened over the last week, if you missed it. Basically, Techers last week was in the podcast and we talked a bit about the under-23 rewards for the weekend. That happened to coincide with a mad weekend where I had 414 points in under-23 and I got a low tier two. It was very close to being a tier three reward. Um, people were getting even higher points than that. And like, four, getting- six, four, 463. 463? And tier one. <laughs> Yeah, the case in point, that sort of thing was happening. Um, now, it did coincide with a particularly high scoring week. Do you know, a lot of the big players did bang, a lot of 90s and, and 100s. But the bottom line was that the under 23 rewards didn't increase, even given the Austrian Bundesliga and whatever else coming back. Um, this week, for the under 23s this weekend, the rewards were adjusted and then they were manually tapered back. And people seen this happen and they weren't very happy. And basically, I think at this stage, everyone's just calling for a bit of clarity about how the rewards work. There has been 
calls for it and complaints about the rewards for as long as I can remember now. I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine months. Um, and now it's kind of coming to a halt. I feel, I feel like all sides of the community, whether they used to be shut up and get on with it or whether they used to be diehard reward system haters, I think a lot of people are singing off the same hymn sheet now. And yesterday... Dan put out a couple of pieces of comms, but this is kind of the main one that uh, at seven o'clock yesterday, which was on Tuesday. Um, we know that everyone here would like more clarity in the reward system in place and our plans for gameplay and the rewards system. I've talked about Dan a lot this this podcast. For anyone who's new and doesn't really get who Dan is, he's like the community manager at SoRare, head of content as well, I think. Probably some other things. All your questions, requests, and feedback have been shared with the product and leadership team and Nicholas, and it has been heard. Nicholas, myself, and the team had a very productive meeting to discuss the ongoing challenges, progress, and when I will be in a position to communicate more. Our goal is to bring more clarity to our gameplay and reward systems so that our core community can plan ahead months in advance if they choose to do so. When are they going to give more clarity? They don't want to share anything more before they're fully happy with the rewards model and our gameplay progress and plans. We will be ready to share all this by the end of March. Until they can share more, you'll have to be patient for a few more weeks and keep the feedback coming in the meantime. So that's what was said. Um, what were your initial thoughts or what's your vibe on all this? I mean, I so I have to be honest, I'm not, you know, I, I'm part of Tucker's um, Discord and that's been great, right? Uh, you know, he clearly, you know, is probably more in tune with the reward system than anyone else I know. Um, I... Tackers has Actually, a Discord. Everyone's going to be messaging, getting into this. Wait, Tackers, really? get me into your am bloody I, Discord. Am I not supposed to say that? I don't know, but it's I, funny I, now. I Let's go. <laughs> what uh -oh, Discord? Live. <laughs> um, I, I I really like that community. Anyway, um, the honor the honest answer is I don't. I personally don't care as much. As frustrating as getting a 465 plus point mm. you know, and getting a tier one was, I just move on to the next game week, right? Mm. So I, you know, the way I think of prizes, I think of like, I go after the T-Zeros and I don't see anything else. So I base my lineups on T-Zeros, T-Stars, and I just, you know, and I, and I try to, you know, win them as much as I can, right? Mm. And there's some weeks, you know, and, and for me, it's like All-Star, Chell, Champions Europe, and then U23, Right now, what what I do care about is D two, um, and you know D two rewards and the the uh, use cases for T three uh, rares, um, only because right now, you know, from a user perspective, I'm just prioritizing D three, uh, and mm. you know, and D three T zero T ones. But not the T threes or the D twos or the SR super res, right? T three res and you know super res. I have, <clears throat> if I'm gonna die on one hill, it's gonna be the um, and there's so many hills. I'm gonna like I'd prefer to advocate for a much better reward system for D two, uh, and much better usage and application for T three rares or T three super res, um, uh, which you know hopefully leads to progression. Right, mm. because you want people to start off from one tier to go to another tier. Now, inherently, some people won't be able to cross that divide, and that's okay, right? Because we all have our lanes, and you know, mm. sometimes some people can outbid us, and we can't afford certain things. It is what it is. But I think that's what I care more about. Um, I I don't keep track. I don't keep track of the 
the reward system at the at the at the, at the tier threes only because I just move like every week. I just, like, it, it sometimes frustrates me, but I don't. You know, my frustration is short lived mm. because I move on to the next game week. You know, the instances where I've you know posted some crazy scores and not not won anything. Mm. You know, it is annoying. But then again, I get very excited about the upcoming game week yeah. and I focus on that instead. So that's how I. You know, I, I'm probably the last person, you know, to, to talk to you about, you know, D3 rewards and, you know, and mechanics because I, I care more about D2 playability and T3, you know, super rare, T3 rare playability. Mm. The last two times I've shot 400 plus was a 414 and like a 440 in under 23 rare. Both times I've got tier twos or worse. Um, it was Tiberibo and I think I got Maktar Gay, yeah. which is a shame, but the game isn't about who can shoot the highest score it's about beating your competitors do you know it's about beating the next guy the other argument to that is that people could lose in engagement very quickly and i have to be honest you know i have put a significant amount of money in here and i am buying big players and playing the best and i'm engaged i think through the content and the thrill of the chase as much as the actual reward itself but i can see people who are trying to play on a budget the way it currently stands it could be quite disengaging very quickly um, yeah, I can see and that's that. why yeah. even when you go to limiteds now, you know the amount of competitors there, which is amazing for so rhythmic people entering limited all star. Even though there's no like thresholds there, limited all star versus even the other limited divisions versus rewards, it is very hard. And um, because of the number of lineups, inevitably people are going to shoot five hundreds. You know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So it does come back to that tier two, tier three super rares, tier three rares and utility and how can these be played i don't know if it's those kind of lower average special weeklies or if there needs to be a lower average division full stop probably there does and i, I know you're adding complexity and i know you're adding more divisions and i know there's more and more and more and more it just adds utility yeah, um i think i personally would want to see more utility um in in the weekly I do think there's an opportunity yeah. there's a huge opportunity to expand the weeklies to include some fun stuff Right, just some like random stuff. I that's that's one. I do think there's an opportunity to also include another. Like, there's so many different leagues that you can include, right? That that could be, you know, um, uh, you know, scores below below thirty league, right? You know, where you have you know super rare, unique, you know, all that stuff. Mm. I, I, there's an opportunity for Sarah to do something really really nice here, and I I'm very optimistic and hopeful. I think they know that this is an issue. I'd like to think mm. that they know that an issue the utility of d3 rares and you know d3 super rares um and i i'd like to think that they'll do something about it so this is something i care more about versus the fluctuations versus the rewards because i do think you know my like i want Sarah to be more accessible um you know i want the average person to come in and you know you know spend you know as little or as much as they want and have as much utility in all these cards as possible uh mm. and that also means you know creating more accessible leagues you know more fun you know more fun gameplays you know, I, so I think that's, I, I want to say that's inevitable, you know, but I'm hopeful and optimistic that something around those things will come up. Mm. Uh, because again, I, I, again, I think all things equal, the team knows that this is an issue, right? Like yeah. when we get a tier three reward, you know, like unless it's a U23 or, you know, maybe Champ Europe or, you know, I, I don't care what Champ Europe. A rookie three, card or something. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like we don't, you know, we're not going to do anything with it. Um, what do you think? And, sorry, I bought it in on you. No, 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 please. I was going to say, what do you think on rewarding DMPs to bolster the, the reward pots a bit? I think you can see that's that's what I mean by having fun, right? That's what I mean by, you know, you know, 
rewarding DMPs can be really interesting. You know, you, you have to, you know, it has to be one of those subs but not coming in type of a situation. Not even I mean, sorry. I, when I what I actually meant was rewarding them physically, giving out DMPs. Oh, rewarding players. DMPs. Yeah, if someone's a DMP, they don't get rewarded. I'm just thinking to bolster those numbers. There's a lot of cards of guys who don't play that aren't being rewarded. But you see, there. You know, the thing is, you know, some people like the DMP players and some people don't, right? So mm. I, you know, if you ask me, I think giving something is better than giving nothing. And the second thing is people are going to complain regardless. So you're better <laughs> off giving something, right? Yeah. And even to DMP player that hasn't played in six months and it's a third goalkeeper sub, you know, I think... They get the transfer, you know? They, you know? No, but also, you know, you might, you know, sell it off in the second. Or, I mean, you, you get something and mm. getting something, I think, is a better form of user engagement than getting nothing. So I'm always yeah. for getting something and including DMPs. Yeah. Well, look, that that's kind of what I wanted to just throw out there in the rewards. I think I just wanted to give you another chance. Is there anything else in your D2 frustrations that you wanted to air or have you kind of thrown that out there? No, I think, you know, I think the has, I, 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 you know, I used to, I used to play D2, uh, you know, quite often, I would say seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months ago, I forget, right? Long time ago. Mm. And I used to get some interesting rewards you know, I, I got a Paya, Dimitri Paya, you know, D, yeah. uh, Super Rare, you know, which is, you know, he's That's on a... That's a cracking I mean, reward. I've, you know, that was a tier two, tier three Super Rare. I forget what it was, but that was brilliant. That guy, that guy is, you know, quarterbacking my you know, D3, D3 yeah. lineups, right? And I, I, I probably put in a shitty D2 team for that. But, mm. you know, I want to see more of that. I want to see more rewards in the D2 structure because I... You know, what this means is, you know, like people like me who have a lot of good rares and like below average to average super rares, right? My best super rares probably, okay, I have a Hala and Blind that I got very early, you know, okay, you know, but but the Modric and the Pires of the world, you know, I've got like old ones. So those are like my four good ones, I think. Mm. I forget. Arson is young. Zakarian's good, but he's, you know, he'll grow into it. But, you know, that's okay. You know, good, good group of five or six. You know, you want to incentivize people like this to play in the D2s because now I, mm. what that means is I don't use my super rares in the D3s, which mm. means, you know what I mean? And yeah. I and I and for the right prize, I would totally play my Blind and Holler and Modric and Pi super rares in the D2s and to compete yeah. with the marks of the world, right? But right now, I'm just using, I'm just concentrating all my best cards for the D3s. I'm the uh, exact same. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm the exact same to the point that, like, I think in my lineup, in my team, I do have, if I look it up here, I do have one probably quite strong under 23 D2 team. I could probably play, do you know, like, De Kaiser, who's just a super rare goalkeeper. I have Jonathan David um, for forward or Raphael Leao. Do you know one of them could play? In midfield, I've probably got Yari Versharen. Um, I mean, Kakare. Kulisevsky, Nicholas Raskin, one of them will do. Yeah. And then like defense, I've got Nico Williams, who got a good move to Fulham, Melvin Bard. I've got Johan Handel, who's a guy out in Austria who does well. I've got a couple of Pershers whenever he comes into the lineup. Basically, this isn't a humble brag or a flex. This is a case of like, I could put out, I think, a strong under 23 team, but the prizes just don't make it worth jeopardizing two stronger D3 teams or three. Exactly right. Exactly it's just not right. worth it at the minute. And now I find I put those guys that I name to you most weeks, unless they have a shit fixture, I'll put them in a D3 lineup and I'll put my leftover super rares 
into the under 23s and they're never going to compete when people are playing Hallands and Mbappes and whatever else is, you know, they're just not going to. So, yep. and, and, and My- I mean, to, to actually get better than that, you're talking, all right, go and dump 15 grand, you know? So where's the... And, he, and that's not enough too. And that's not no, enough if you want no, to it's not. <laughs> No. That'll get you, you know... That'll, that'll get, get you, me one, maybe maybe one strong. Maybe one, and a, one, and, one and a half. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Yeah. So, no, I agree. I, I miss the days of D2, good D, like decent D2 rewards. Yeah. You know? uh, um, and, and, you know, and by the way, you know, I understand, I, I understand my lane. My lane is in D1. Mm. I, I, I... I I, I physically cannot manifest that amount of capital to buy D1 cards. And that's mm-hmm. okay. I'm very happy with that. I'm, you know, D1 is not my lane. Um, D2, I, you know, I kind of want it to be my lane because I do like, you know, the playability of these super rare cards in D3 and D2, right? I do like mm-hmm. the flexibility. I do like the rare cards because I can play it in you know, D4, D3, D2. I like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, you know, I, I'll be a very happy, happy little Muppet if I can just compete competitively <laughs> in D2 and D3. Uh, yeah. All right, Kermit, we'll move on to some questions, will we? Yeah, that's <laughs> So uh, before we do, I want to give a big shout out to everyone who's left a review, particularly on Spotify over the last few weeks. We're over 140, 243 reviews, something like that. Five stars at the minute. Keep it coming. I love you all so much. If you're watching on YouTube, please do like the video and subscribe to 1.37 p.m. Drop a comment below with something you've learned or anything. It just helps this video get out there. But definitely, wherever you are, please do review or like or do whatever. All the nice things that you should do. <laughs> and yeah, let's go on to some questions from Twitter. So I hit a milestone this week. You've been there for some time. I'm part of the 10K Club on Twitter. I got 10,000 followers oh, wow. a couple of days ago. Congratulations. Which is lovely. So thanks a million to everyone who's there. If you aren't, come on over and say hello and go and follow Sri Ram while you're there. Um, we put out a picture. It was Mo Salah, your name, a YNWA straight in, a Salah <laughs> image for a Man United fan. What's that about? Yeah, I should have seen that coming. <clears throat> Salah was the first, uh, my first lineup in Surrey, I think. I won the D3. Um, I, I won, I won, I won the D three uh, All Star, and mm. I got Salah as a reward, uh, and that just you know hooked me in. Mm. Um, so for me, that was a very, um, you know, it was a, it was pretty seminal. It was pretty meaningful, uh, and you know, it was the start of my you know my Surrey experience. So for me, that mm. card is something I I don't think I'll ever sell. Uh, you know, but, oh, but nice. yeah, so that that's you know that hence hence Salah. Do you know what we have in common, just to go off topic, because I've just clicked over to see where there quickly and my gallery, I had it arranged by under 23 super rares to try and flex to you. Yeah. I realized we both have a Pershers super rare. You have one, don't you? Yeah. There aren't many of them out there. Well, there's probably no. quite a few at this stage, but um, yeah. Is there a reason for that? Talk to me. Give him a good pump. Yeah, I bought him randomly many months ago because he was the cheapest young IX defender. Mm. <laughs> it turns out that he's got some playability now. Yeah, he's, nice. he's not playing too much, but for me, it's one of those where I genuinely think the downside is he gets a move to somewhere like Milan or like I don't even know where. But the downside yeah. is he pisses off and bench warms and doesn't start. But the upside is Timber or, is, Timber, or someone leaves. His mate leaves you know, and Pershers becomes an under 23. Yeah. Like Ajax defender, he could be the next Timber. By the way, you know, if Lisandro Martinez goes to Barcelona or something, they you have a Timber Pershers partnership. 
you know yeah. so again one of my random buys from many from a year ago that you know that i but that's a card i wanted to sell for a long time but i just you know no one mm. you know i ended up keeping it so I'm actually really tempted to go like I feel like I've went pretty balls deep here. I bought the two super rares and I have a rare, but I'm tempted to like go all out on that call. I'm tempted to like pick up as many rares as I can. It could it could be down, it could go down, but I think he's a quality player regardless. Yeah. Um, I think his price at the minute reflects a decent young centre back at a champion squad. You wanna be you see the thing about players that are playing like okay, there are two ways there's only one way his price can go. Okay, if he stays at Ajax, uh, his price will go up, right? So yeah. that, you know, so that's you know, Ajax is the best team in Challenger Europe. Uh, you know, he's you know the backup defender. If he steps up, great. But if he doesn't, everywhere else is probably a step down. Except, I... except you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona. Except, or like a parallel move where he starts like exactly so and, and the chances of a Barcelona, Real, PSG, United, Liverpool getting him, you know, is very low, right? So he's probably gonna end up mm. somewhere else, Champions Europe, with an okay team, mm. and his score is not gonna be that good anyway. So that's one purchase I would not recommend getting because I, he's already I mean, like there's only you know, if he stays great, because you've got coverage, right? But if you're hoping to trade there's, you know, he has to he has to go to the top five, you know, Champions Europe team. Otherwise, you're not. And by the way, will he start? You don't know. You see, for me, I actually I, I disagree. I feel mm. the upside outweighs the downside massively. I feel if he was a starter at Ajax and his price was where it is, the only way is down. Akin to Coop Miners, akin to other players who are yeah. monsters in their respective league, and they go away and they bench warm or they rotate or they don't score as well. But I just feel like. Again, it is one of those. I'm not saying the only way is up. I'm not even trying to pump him because I'm not selling him anytime soon. I will sell him yeah. if he goes to the moon. But I think the upside is timber is worth like three ETH, right? Let's call that the ceiling. What's the floor for an under 23 center back who's come out of Ajax who could end up anywhere if he gets some game time? I don't know. What is the absolute downside within the next 16 to 18 months? Maybe 0.1? 0.5. 0.5. Oh, oh, you mean uh, the absolute downside? Yeah, unless he gets I, injured or something. Like if he gets injured or dies, we're fucked. But I mean, if he like, <laughs> if he goes off to Bologna and becomes a starter, if he goes to Juventus and bench warms, if he goes to, you know, I feel like yeah. for an under twenty three defender, I think he's played for the Dutch under twenty ones. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. Again, this is too long a segment probably, on a specific point two, point point two, point three max, max yeah. four. Yeah, so I, I'm thinking like, I don't know, I just think the upside versus downside. But anyway, I just thought mm-hmm. I'd bring him up because I spotted you had a super rare. But I feel like 99% of people who listen don't give a fuck about per shares. So yeah. we'll ask some questions. Um, there's your there's your weekly pump of per shares. We're going to get that <laughs> until he moons. Um, okay, so a good question from Jay Fraz. We'll go through them in order of most liked, as always. When the whole Premier League joins so rare, Hopefully this year, who will be the first three players that you'll look to buy? Now, before oh, I ask that, there was a question about what if we don't get the Premier League? Um, I hope we do. I hope we do. Yeah, here oh. it is. It's from James at Shine. I'll ask this one first. Just do you think we'll really get the Premier League? None of us know what's going on behind the scenes. Do you think that we'll honestly get the top 20 leagues? By the way... James isn't interested in other American sports. Um, so we'll come I, back to Jay Fraz. Do you yeah. think it happens? I, I'm, I, ho- I, I, 
you know, I, I want it to happen. I'm optimistic that it'll happen. I'm hopeful that it'll happen. There's no one else doing what's no one else is doing what Soraya is doing with with, mm. with football. Um, I don't see any reason why the EPL would not want to work with Soraya. You know, there's no one else. You know, monetizing NFTs. You know, creating a highly engaged community. They've done it with the Bundesliga, La Liga. It's only a matter of time. I, you know, I, I'd like to think it's only a matter of time. I don't know how any other company can promise the Premier League more revenue. Oh, just that's going to be user the engagement. Line. User yeah. engagement, revenue. The only way I can see, and again, Sriram, maybe you can just correct me here. This isn't somewhere I'm particularly well versed in the world of investing and licensing. The only way I see it happening the other way is where some weasel gets in, steals the license, and then tries to sell it to Sorare in a year's time because he knows someone or because there's a pre-existing relationship. Maybe that no, doesn't matter. The, the, I don't think that. I don't think that. I don't think that's the case because the EPL is very savvy when it comes to monetizing licenses. Mm. And every year you see the NBC, you see the, you see everyone, all the broadcasters around the world paying, you know, you know, astronomical sums of money to buy these mm. licenses. If Sorare does not win it, it's probably because someone else paid so much money um, to, to win the license, uh, uh, an amount that would have made Sarah go, holy fuck, that's too much. It's not worth it. You mm. know, over a span of five, seven, eight, ten years, not worth it. You know, if we pay that amount of money, there's no way we're going to recoup that back. Mm. Um, you know, that's the only instance I can I can, I can think about. Uh, if Do you someone, think they would, what, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, would they not offer like a revenue share type vibe? instead to so that's a good question so let me sort of paint the landscape of licensing and by the way you know again i want to preface this by saying i don't know what's happening between sora yeah. and epl and so this is just me uh so i used Spitball. to do a lot of used to do a lot of licensing work for spotify so i sort of you know there's multiple you know ways this could be arranged so one is you know there's there's something called a minimum guarantee right where the company that acquires the license would be like hey listen we'll pay you at least a minimum a minimum of 500 million dollars over the next 10 years Right for the licenses to these, 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 right, and then then it could be, you know, a bidding a bidding war between the minimum guarantees, right, mm. right. That's one model where you know Soraya or someone else would 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 um, would promise X amount of capital over five, ten, you know, whatever year period. The second way is um, it could be you know it could be a combination of minimum guarantee and or revenue share, right. So it could be hey, you know what, we'll guarantee you at least whatever a year, right. Uh, but we'll also split revenue, you know, we'll split revenue this way, right? You know, let's say, I don't know, 50, 50, 40, 60. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, that'll be the main business model, right? Revenue share. And if it doesn't hit the minimum that we guarantee you, we'll backfill that, right? Yeah. We'll backfill that ourselves, right? So that could be another one, rev share with minimum guarantee. Another one could just be pure rev share, right? It's like, look, give it to us, you know, whatever we make, we'll give you X percent. Right, it could be very mm. simple. So in a bad year, Sora does badly, EPL does badly. So I don't know. So there are so many different ways, you know, this 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 model could could work out. Um, but the EPL is you know world class when it comes to negotiations. They they know what they're doing. So I think it could be a combination of minimum guarantee and or rev share. So you know I don't know, uh, but but that's how it'll probably end up. Um, I think. Yeah. Well, look, fingers crossed. Let's hope. Um... Let's hope it happens. If yep. they do join, Jay says when, who will be the first three players that you would look to oh, buy? Oh, man, I will, oh, I will probably go for oh, the Manchester City defense uh, because I hate the roulette that mm. happens with the attack. I'll yeah. go for an Arsenal defense. Uh, I'd avoid United. Uh, I'd go for like a Brighton defense. 
Um, Halftime, Munich down 1-0. Um, I'd go for three players. I'd go for... Oh, you know, I'm sorry. Three... Brendan Aronson got the assist. Oh, here. Congratulations. My guy, yeah. Uh, sorry. i go for Diaz. I, got, I already have Diaz. i go for Cancelo. Cancelo's um, a monster. I'd go for Tierney. Uh, I'd go for the defense defenders with fullback potential with uh, with, uh, with with the fullback. Uh, I'd go for Cancelo. I'd go for you know. Cancelo's like scores a, are sick. Yeah, I've seen I, them. Yeah. Uh, I'd go Jeez. for you know KDB's out there. I'd go for you know Laporte. I'd go for Edison. Uh, yeah, and then if you look at other teams, Arsenal. I'll go for Gabriel. Gabriel's on the platform. I'll go for Tierney. Um, yeah, I'll go for the I'll go for the defenders. You know, I looked at Harry Kane, but Harry Kane is you know, it's you know mm-hmm. I don't know what the what the what the decisive and the I don't know what his scores are, but I'll probably stick probably to defenders. Probably a good time to buy. Probably a good time to buy Harry Kane. Um, I imagine he's not ex- he if he was on the platform, I don't imagine his price would be as high as it could be. But um, looking uh, at him there, he's actually been doing okay recently, and his scores are pretty nice on so rare. Um, he would be worth a lot actually. Now, I would go for Phil Foden, 100%. If I had to pick a guy, if I could buy them, if I could afford them, I think Phil Foden would be my number one. Um, There are a couple of nice young lads at Arsenal. Chelsea have them as well. I don't Ooh, know. Reese James. Reese James. James. I wonder what Oof. he's like. Let's, let's see. Does he get decimated by possession lost? Okay, I was very yeah, impressed with last night. Um, Nuno Mendes. He was he, very that good. Guy, yeah. He pinned uh, who's that Muppet? Carvajal. Carvajal uh, back. Oof. Yeah, big time. He, he yeah. just Hakimi was goal. a Hakimi was a goat in that game. Did you see mm. him? Oof. Yeah, I seen. I did. Um, I think I expected that from Hakimi. I felt like Nuno Mendes would be a bit more. I don't know. Yeah. Raw, but he was he was very good, particularly in defense. I kind of had him pegged as like decent going forward, wand of a left foot, but. And a lot of pace. I didn't really read his defending, but last night he got in the way a lot, um, yeah. which is important against Madrid. But anyway, yeah, I think Reese James would be up there. There's a few players. Um, I don't know who else. I, I mean, like you the, get the high yeah. scores. Like, there's like there's loads of high scores. I love Trent. I mean, I, I have two of them already. I don't think I'd get another, but I would definitely look to fill out the Liverpool stack. I love Andy Robertson. I'm actually really yeah. annoyed at myself that I didn't buy him sooner. Whenever he was about 0.3, I think I knew he was yeah. underpriced. Massively, I got him. I got him. I got him. You know, for eight hundred, whatever. I forget what it was. Point yeah. one, point two, point yeah. Um, I knew he was underpriced. Like I knew it, and I was looking. I was like, I love him, and I actually think I I suggested a couple of trades to people, and none went. I was also very close recently to trading a Trent for a super rare Andy Robertson and a <gasps> Bast- and a Bastoni. Um, but I asked for ETH on top because the guy I think was valuing him a bit off at the time. Wait, and you. You wanted to give away your Trent for a Robertson and a Bastoni super rare? A super rare Robertson I, and a Bastoni. I didn't necessarily want to do it. I asked for a little bit of ETH on top. The guy really wanted a Trent and I have two. So the super rare Andy Robertson, I was like, that's a that's like a goat card on the platform for me. That's a monster me. card. And I thought Bastoni will come straight in and slot in for Trent. Um, probably that's less very. That's a very good trade. Holy I shit. I thought it would have been, and it didn't happen. So, and the guy's got oh, a spread. So, shout out. No. I think it was quick, quick. Shout out yeah. um, if you listen. But um, I just think Robertson's a monster. But yeah, that, that's, I definitely fill out the Liverpool players. I think I'm secretly, I'm going to say this for the first ever time. And it is purely down to exposure to Trent, I think. I'm slowly becoming like a Liverpool fan. 
Um, and it's kind of sick. And I never really want to admit that because I like to think of myself as like not really a fan of anyone, but I think I have the largest exposure to Trent and I always <laughs> want to see him do well, which inevitably means that I'm always screaming for Liverpool to do well. Look, I'm tripled up on Liverpool in FBL and, you know, I've got Robertson, I've got, you know, Salah, Jota in my Soviet team. So mm. I'm kind of rooting for them to do well as well. But I, you know, my first love is always United. Uh, but, but I, you know, to answer that question, I would stock up on Liverpool defense, City defense, Arsenal, and then Brighton, by the mm. way, Brighton and Southampton uh, would be the under, would be the, would be the you know, affordable, you know, affordable teams that look at to, to get some good players. So we'll do, if you have time, we'll do one or two more quickly and we'll try and wrap this up in about five or six minutes. Does that suit you? Yeah, of course. We'll try and bang these out because I'm aware you need to go. I don't need to go anywhere, but I'm aware I've taken up a lot, a lot of your time and we can maybe catch second halves. It's Haber, a.k.a. Ryan, who is another content creator who's come into the space. Welcome, Ryan. Um, he makes predominantly FIFA content. He's become quite enthusiastic about so rare. So welcome, Ryan, has asked... If either of you could rewind time and change a decision you've made in relation to so rare, for example, purchase a purchase or passing up of a purchase, what would it be and why? Uh, mine is 100% hands down the Super Rare Wesley I traded for a Van Dyke. Uh, I traded the Van Dyke and not point two ETH. It was an absolute travesty. That is it. Everyone knows that answer from me already. What is your answer? You look I, dejected. You look actually heartbroken. I don't know if you're able to tell this story. I sold a Matip Super Rare for 0.5 ETH. Oh man! I sold a Lucas Hernandez Super Rare for about for about one ETH. Hernandez. I sold a King, Kingsley Coman Super Rare for about one ETH. This this goes on. There's not one example I, here. I sold a Dario Benedetto Unique for about one ETH. <laughs> the Hernandez would probably be worth like five ETH now. I don't even know the matter. I, um, I don't know two and a half or three. I, I, uh, there's, there's so many mistakes, so many mistakes I've made. Um, yeah, I Matip is an absolute monster. The big issue with him, and I sold him, I think, at like point four. In fact, if I go on a price graph, no, just a rare. Sorry. If you go to if you go to the Matic Matip Super Rare, you can see I sold it to Tom C. Uh, for mm. I think you know point five. It'll look, forget forget what it was, but you can see how his price just shot up. I don't know when Matip's going to start. That's the that's the problem. That that's what I'm saying. Like so, I actually sold him at what was a peak at the time of point four five. Um, he kind of dipped back down to about point four, and now he's up at like point six five was the peak. And now check, out the, check, check out the super rare and you can see the you know my 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 sale you know there's a walk of shame that's the sale of shame for me oh geez yeah okay that looks bad whenever you look at it that way you sold them for 0.5 yeah totally 0.5 not too long ago no. like five <laughs> months ago and he sold a month later than yours two months later than, but six weeks after you sold them for 0.5 he sold for 3.2 that is kind of heartbreaking oh yeah yeah i, I yeah. I so I I won Matip as a reward, and whenever I win rewards, I tend to get rid of them very quickly, and I I just underpriced them just to get rid of them, and I didn't think Matip was a starter because I you know I know obviously I know I just mm. I I you know it's just you know it is what it is gotta you gotta move on. I have um, to say, 
His L40 is slightly worse than Van Dyke's, but his L15 and L5 are better. He is a quarter the price of Van Dyke, and he's the same age. Now, I understand that the issue is that Van Dyke is 100% nailed and that Matip could be rotated for Kanate out of nowhere. And that's where the killer comes in. But he's the second best defender over the last 15 games of the platform. When you're looking at Kikuchi's going for the price Kikuchi's going for, he's only 30 years old. I mean, I think Matip is actually decent value. I'm just putting it out there. Mm. I do. Because, I mean, what happens next? Well, actually, what could happen next is he just sits as the backup centre-back next season. Yeah. That could happen. So maybe he's shit value. But anyway, um, we'll move on just on the basis of time. Um, you've had a few horror stories. I've had a, one in particular. I should probably have thought of another one. But based on time, we'll ask one more question. 137 game, out the door. Mortz has asked, what's better, a win in the limited divisions or rare and above and why? So I think what he's getting at here is the satisfaction of beating tens of thousands of people versus the better reward, I think. Yeah, I don't play limited, so I wouldn't know. But for me, whenever I get a, whenever I podium, it just feels so good. Uh, yeah, so I wish I knew what that any, felt like. <laughs> podiuming anywhere, anywhere feels so good. Um, winning a tier zero feels good, whether it's limited, stare, you know, rare, super rare, mm. doesn't matter. Uh, but you know, I've only podiumed, I think, you know, five or six times, maybe seven, maybe less than ten times. Uh, I think I've won some a league, maybe three to four times, but. It feels so good to podium, and it feels so good mm. to get a tier zero rare because the anticipation of opening up, you know, like you know, I have this process that I go through. My girlfriend sits with me. We go through every card, you know. We, you know, we do some research. It's just so much fun. So it's, it's more fun if it's a, it's more fun if it's a tier zero card. If there's any couples on so rare, reach out. I'd love to have a couple on so rare on the That's podcast. If anyone's significant other is interested or has an account or whatever, please reach out. I'd love to talk to you. Um, but yeah, no, I think like for me, the reward matters more than the the satisfaction and the bragging rights personally, but it would be nice to win a limited thing. Just like winning the common would be amazing. Just to say you beat a hundred thousand people. Yeah. Update a hundred thousand people broken through on the common, um, wow. for this midweek, hundred thousand entrance, 108,000. The last time I checked, it could have hit 110. Wow. So, 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 so I've stopped playing comments. So can, is it one person per common team? Um, one person per common team. Now there is wow. a theory or there is definitely some bots out there. Um, oh. But how many? It's impossible to know. The bottom line is that there's like, I don't know, 110,000 or more is individual Sarah, entries. Is Sarah Academy part of that or is that different? Sarah Academy is different. Okay. Okay. Wow, different. that's a lot of players. That's good. A so lot, let's assume yeah. let's assume 30, 40% of bots, right? Whatever. Yeah. That's still 60,000 players. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, exciting. Shout out to Surare Buzz, Gardner, Murcro- Paul Murcroft, Hinty, uh, Mark YNWA, we mentioned him, Kevin T, Coxinho, Jack Doyle, Deco, and Perez. Lots of good questions out there. Thanks so much for submitting them. You know what um, we you know what we haven't spoken about yet? Tell me. We, the Muppet incident. <laughs> the Muppet incident. I called you it roughly earlier. I didn't want to delve in. Look, if you have the time, I'll talk about it. I'm, I'm going nowhere. No, no, it's years. fine. It's, look, I, look I, <laughs> I I called AJ a Muppet. Um, but it was a t- <laughs> I call him a Muppet now as well. No, AJ, look, you're a Muppet. Look, it's a term of endearment. Uh, I think, you know, so the backstory is I got called, I'm from Malaysia and, you know, I you know I've worked in all these different countries and my boss my 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 boss from New Zealand called me a muppet once and I got really offended 
and then I found out that it's just you know it's a you know it's it's a term of endearment, and I've since used that term with a lot of people, uh, and I use it affectionately. Um, so when I called AJ Muppet, I I was you know I, I when I used the word Muppet, I didn't I used it as you know in an endearing way, but I, I understand how people might react to that. Uh, but anyway, just wanted to put it out there. Sounds to me like you're digging a bigger hole for yourself here. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just twisting. I'm just throwing shit. Um, really, I think I've found the comment. It's kind of funny to read back on. And then you trying to, I use Muppet all the time, but I can understand why it might have pissed people off. Yeah. Everyone breathe in, breathe out. Yeah, that, that's kind of funny. Um, just search Rivaldo 2000 and Muppet if you're wondering what we're all about uh... in the official So Rare Discord. But, um, Ram, it's time. It's time for the 137 game. Last week, Techers chose. Fan Bruges and Hoot, I Hoot Hoot from Anderlecht, and he scored 109. Uh, a bit unfortunate for him. You have to pick two players for me that you think will combine for a score of 137 points. Again, we're trying to revamp this. If anyone can think of something good that we can give away, we've had a suggestion of pint glasses. If anyone would want a so far so rare pint glass, please let me know. If there's enough requests, we'll make it happen. Um, but yeah, two players, hit me. I would choose Salah and Gabriel. Salah and Gabriel from Arsenal. Yeah. I like it. Salah for the big 80, Gabriel with a clean sheet, not far off. I think Salah with, you know, some form of goal involvement, some decisive against Norwich <clears throat> and Gabriel because I think Newcastle, I think Arsenal, you know, they've kept clean sheets before. Mm. Uh but Newcastle, you know, turned the corner with all these different signings and I think they'll put one past Gabriel, but Gabriel's got a very strong you know, hey, I think hey. we'll get a 40 and a 50. You know, I think Salah will get her, you know, 90, 80, 90, and then hopefully that, that works out. It works out. Well, best of luck. Thank you so much for playing, and thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Honestly, it was great. I think I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I hope people listening did. Um, have you anything to plug or anywhere people can find you before you go or anything to say? Nah, just you know, follow me on Twitter if you want. Sri Ram Kree at Twitter. Uh, if not, I'll look forward to trading or, you know, I uh, look forward to rejecting your point not point zero one <laughs> ETH uh, offers and uh, on Surya. But it was, look, it was a pleasure. I love the game. Love your podcast. Happy to be on board. Looking forward to meeting in person and hanging out. Absolutely. Look, thank you so much. And everyone watching, um, thank you or listening for your time. Thank you so much. We'll see you again next week. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening as always. And please do remember to leave a review. Big thanks to Sriram for his honesty and openness around being an investor. I find it quite refreshing. I said that already. I mean it. Um, I hope you enjoyed it and I hope we see you next week. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast.